Hi, this is Jason Masters, artist on Vaga and Idol on 007 Comics, and you're listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the 16th episode of Rogue Agents Podcast, a part of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast channel brought to you by the fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host, Agent Pat, codenamed DJ Christados. But I'm not doing this alone. Joining me, as always, is some other rogue agents and an additional co-host for this one. I'm going to start off with my co-host and joining us as Agent Allen. Hey, Porter. Hey, Porter. Agent Allen, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Just making sure my uh, Channel D communicator is working and uh, we're good and clear to go. And thank you for having me to co-host on these uh, Uncle episodes. You're hitting one of my other passions and sweet spots when we want to talk about Uncle. Delighted to be uh, invited to co-host these. Thanks. I was uh, happy to have you and I'm glad that you are joining us on this journey. As we get into it, we'll kind of explain a little bit more in your background. But before we do, let's see who else we have here in the agent chair is sitting around their terminals just waiting to be into the game. We'll start with Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. Death Probe. Uh, thank you, Pat. I initially was not going to be on the show tonight. I wasn't interested. Oh. I thought it was too big of a task. It just wasn't for me. But mm-hmm. then you were like, hey, you have access to this really fancy wardrobe. And I was totally on board. Absolutely. So I get to wear all these fancy clothes. And people get to see me and notice me, which mm-hmm. is you know right. better than my... Regular humdrum life. So thank you for the opportunity, Pat. Sure. I hope the clothes fit you right. They should. They look good. I mean, they're all black, but I'm yeah. not, it doesn't look good on me. But I, I'm supposed to be mourning. So anyway, I don't want to do the whole episode. <laughs> That's my bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate that. Well, let's see who else is here with us under the tanning booth. We have Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Pat. Thanks. I wasn't... Uh, initially going to watch this and participate but uh you guys talked me into it and so i cried uncle that was me make you bit up on the spot no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happens <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and talk to delvin agent dark web williams how are you delvin i'm good and unlike jared and elaine I happen to look pretty good in black, if I do say so myself. You do. You're a sharp-dressing kind of guy. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Well, now that we have introductions out of the way, what is this episode about? Well, this is episode 16 of the ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rogue Agents, where we are traversing the 007 universe. That could mean books. That could mean music. That could mean video games. It could mean TV series. Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here on On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Again, I want to introduce my co-host in this mission. When it's my turn, we'll be going through the Man From U.N.C.L.E. series. And joining me is the man or the uncle who knows the most about the Man From U.N.C.L.E. It's Agent Allen. Thanks, Matt. Yes, I am an uncle, actually, so that works. Yeah. Alan, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your Man From U.N.C.L.E. experience. I've actually probably been an uncle fan longer before I was a James Bond fan. Probably going back to a kid. Um, it, it was on TV in the UK, same time as it was here. I was probably first aware of it when it was in 
probably its second season or third season, probably around 1966. It was on TV on a regular basis. It was a huge hit in the UK. There was regular Uncle Comic strips in uh, strips in various comics that I read. I was getting the Uncle annuals for each Christmas. I had the Corgi toy car from the show. So I've probably been a fan most of my life. Not sort of front and center like with Bond and Batman and the Beatles and other stuff, but Uncle's always been there. Sitting here in my office, I've got like all the novels, all the magazines, most of the comic books, certainly all the American comic books, soundtrack albums, and I've got all the shows on DVD. Um, So yeah, Uncle's just sort of been part of my life constantly. And I actually do, I'm sad enough to actually do carry a Uncle ID card in my wallet, which as you can see is a little frayed at the top because I've had it in my wallet for a long time, but. There we go, an actual Uncle ID card signed by Alexander Waverley. So I am really oh. that sad that I carry that in my wallet. <laughs> um, when we got the original contract for the James Bond lexicon with our original publisher, it was for actually two books. Well, the first would be the James Bond lexicon, and the second was going to be a Uncle lexicon. But uh, when the project originally went into hiatus, the, the Uncle book was basically put on hold. So we have probably 60% of the research done for a potential Uncle lexicon book project which we may at some point resurrect uh, oh. hopefully get finished so i'm probably almost as obsessive around the details of uncle as i am around james bond so. very Jeez. good and that's why i wanted to have you on it was actually one of your posts that i saw alan on twitter probably a few weeks back when it came to my decision to figure out what to do for my time with the episode i'm like you know I want to try something. And then I just happened to be scrolling through Twitter and saw you posting a man from uncle thing. And I'm like, well, if Alan likes that, he's James Bond kind of guy. So there must be some kind of a correlation between the two. Why don't I do something like that? I've never watched him. I've heard of it. Never watched an episode. So this is a new area for me. And why not do it with somebody that seems to have a lot of knowledge about it to come along with me on the way. So if it wasn't for your tweet, Alan, we wouldn't be here right now. Oh, that's what got me in trouble. Okay, I'm going to stop that tweeting <laughs> nonsense. So. And we'll talk a bit later on about what the actual Bond connection is. If anybody's listening to this thinking, what has Man From Uncle got to do with James Bond? We'll talk a bit about that as we move forward. All right. There is a connection, several connections. And with that, why don't we go around the horn and find out, have you heard of the Man From Uncle before? And what's your quick experience? We'll just kind of go around the loop. We'll start with Jason real quick. I have heard of Man from Uncle. When I was a kid, like in high school, uh, maybe middle school, high school age, I used to come home and watch Man from Uncle on television. So I'm definitely not as into it as Alan, but I am familiar with the basic characters and have seen some episodes. Yeah, I don't think I watched it as a kid. I was too busy hanging out with the chicks with the ladies. So Delvin, how about you hanging out with the ladies or watching man from uncle? Neither. (laughs) In that uh, I was, I've heard of man from uncle, but literally have never watched a single episode. And it was probably because I knew like the movie came out, which I didn't watch, but I knew that the movie was based off of the TV show, but that is literally all I knew about it. Jared man from uncle. Uh, of course, I lived with Jason. So, <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So I do remember being in elementary school, and it was on after school. And I just kind of remember Jason going, "Oh, we should watch this. It's cool." And I was like, "Okay, 
why is it cool? And he's like, it's like James Bond. And so, all right, I'm in, you know? So yeah, I, I remember watching some episodes after school, but man, that was like 35 years ago. <laughs> so yeah. uh, this is like coming back to it with, with totally new. So I'm excited about this. Good. Yeah. That's good to hear. Good to hear. All right. I have another question for you guys. Since we all watch no time to die. I want your quick thoughts on No Time to Die in seven words or less. We'll start with Jason, the Weasel Skull. Great ending to the Craig era. Very good. Delvin. What Jason said. I did it in three. (laughs) Alan. Brave, bold, better than I expected. Very good. And Jared. The James Bond version of Marvel's Logan. Got it. Ah, there you go. <laughs> and mine would be a combination between Alan's and Jason's, too. It was the best Craig movie ever for mine, too. But yeah, thank you guys for just doing a quick No Time to Die thing. Seven-minute, re- seven-word review. <laughs> seven-word review. That's yep. clever, Pat. I like that. Thank you. Do you know why I said seven? Okay. I, don't, I guess I don't have to ask, but anyway. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into... The Man from Uncle. We're going to go and watch season one, episode one. And just a quick highlight of this uh, Alan will have some deeper notes on this when we get to his section. But The Man from Uncle ran for five years from 1964 to 1968. It ran four seasons and with around 105 episodes. We are starting out with episode one from season one, and it is The Vulcan Affair. It first aired on September 22nd, 1964 on NBC. It starred Robert Vaughn as Napoleon Solo, David McCollum as Koryakin, Leo G. Carlo as Alexander Waverly, Patricia Corley as Elaine May Donaldson, Fritz Weaver as Andrew Vulcan. It was directed by Don Medford. Writer was Sam Rolfe. Producer is Norman Felton. And I'll pass it over to Agent Allen for the plot description. The Vulcan Affair. Andrew Vulcan is a successful businessman and industrialist, president of the United Global Chemical Corporation. However, Uncle know that he is also the Eastern Seaboard Head of Operations for the evil organization known as Thrush, and that an intercepted message indicates that he has a plan to assassinate key senior government officials of the emerging African nation of Western Natumba during a visit to one of his power plants in Maryland. In order to stop Vulcan, Uncle recruits his former college sweetheart in an attempt to infiltrate the reclusive Vulcans in a circle and foil the plan. All right. Thank you, Alan, for that plot to recap. Now let's get into our thoughts of the show. But first, let's find out if it's a first watch or a rewatch. Alan? I have no idea how many times I've seen this episode of the show. I literally lost count. So, yeah, multiple, multiple rewatch. All right. Jason? Pretty sure that this is a first watch for me. Delvin? Absolutely a first watch for me. And Jared. 
If you'd asked me yesterday, first watch. Was it asking me today? Second watch. Watched it yesterday and today. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is a first watch for me, too. Let's go into some highs and lows, and we will start with our co-host, Alan. I mentioned that I've rewatched this episode numerous times. I've actually also just rewatched the opening sequence probably twice as much as I've actually watched the episode. And in fact, I did it just before we got on the podcast because I just love the opening sequence of this episode. It's the only one where they do that opening sequence of the bad guys infiltrating the, the uncle oh, headquarters. Yeah. I think it sets up the whole premise of the show great in those first minute, two minutes of it's a secret organization with agents running around. The bad guys have infiltrated it. There's good guys and bad guys. There's really, you know, good action. And just the ending shot of Napoleon Solo behind the bulletproof yeah. glass. It's just as cool as hell. So yeah. for me, it's just that opening sequence of this, this episode. I like this episode overall. I'm not going to give it a rating yet, but I like this episode overall. But just that opening sequence, I think is one of the coolest things they ever did on Uncle. And I just watch it over and over and over again. So. It grabbed you right away. I was yeah. like, wow, this is yeah. going to be a cool one. I got to say, having watched it twice, <laughs> if you didn't catch it the first time, they went past the Asian lady was like the first line. Of it. Well, the guy yeah. with the, the press guy with was the, the first press, line. Yeah. Asian lady was line two. Yeah. Third was the black security guard. If you yeah. ever watch how he gets taken out, it's, yeah. like, it's like he just, the guy bumps on his shoulder. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I need a new guy on security. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know what happened to the guy that, that got caught in the elevator when the, the guy, there's the door, or not the elevator, yeah, but the like door's closing. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, okay. it's actually all explained in the, when I, I'll talk about this on the fun facts, but okay. Oh, okay. there was a Wait. longer version of this that actually answers a lot of those questions okay. as to all what right. happens to those guys. So, oh, so yeah. like, like security guard dude didn't get a good night's sleep the night before. and <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but... <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this, man. Still, oh, I tell you, each and everybody, I know Alan's seen it because he's not a Each and everybody, you go, go back and watch it and watch, watch how quickly he goes down with the lightest of taps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the receptionist puts up more of a fight than you guys. <laughs> <She does. laughs> I will second what Alan said, though. I really appreciated, like... It grabbed me the moment I started watching the professionalism of those guys. It really looked like yeah. if a KGB team or even like a couple double O's were infiltrating an organization, they were all about the business and it was really cool to watch. Yeah, it was very cool. Delvin. We can keep the positivity going. I like the premise. The premise of it was just really good and it drew me right in, not knowing what to expect other than Man from Uncle. Something to do possibly with James Bond. And that was it. That's all I knew going into it. And I'll also add, I wasn't able to sit there and fully watch the whole thing. I had to watch a little bit of it while driving and stuff. But even listening to it, it was still interesting to hear about. And, and it was something I like I regretted not being able to sit there and watch it fully just based off of what I was hearing and the plot and how it went along. But just the whole setup in general is a good idea. I can see why it lasted so long. I could see why someone would want to make a movie based off of it. It was a very interesting premise. Jason. I'm going to give a high to the character of Napoleon Solo, who we get introduced to in this episode. Starting off at the very beginning, he smokes the bad guys that are coming in to raid his base. So you can tell he's a man of action. He seems very calm and confident. You also get to see him under a lot of stress in the chase. You get to see him injured. 
And at the end, I really liked a little bit of vulnerability as he's looking a little bit wistfully at the woman and the family that, yeah. you know, he doesn't have. He doesn't get. Yeah. And so I think it was just a really good job. In one episode, you really get to know this character, Napoleon Solo, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I think this was a good character moment for him. And I can see why they didn't bring in the partner and some of the background characters that we'll see eventually. Like, you know, they brought in Channel D and the head M guy, Waverly. Am I right on that? I think that was yeah, Channel no, Double right. D. Was it? <laughs> Double D? <laughs> Um, I was trying not to say D's nuts, but uh, you know, D's nuts. I've been sitting on that double D joke <laughs> for the last two days. <laughs> I, I said it on mute. I was classy. <laughs> I think you're right in the fact that it does really set up Napoleon Solo. It's one of the things I like about this episode. It sets up, as Delvin said, the basic premise of Uncle. It sets the mood for it. You meet the lead character. It goes through a little bit of a, a story arc. And we learn more of him over the years, of course, but it really helps you to figure out who these guys are right off the bat. Jared, you got a high low. All right. I wrote down four big things that I wanted to talk about and hopes would come up in discussion tonight, Pat. So okay. pick a number one through four. Three. Three. All right. We don't dabble a lot in politics on the show or anything like that, but I got to give a little credit where credit is due. It is 1966, right, Alan? This is premieres in 66? 64. Oh, my bad. My note is wrong. All right. So this is 1960, even better. This is 1964. And while it certainly had a little bit of the, you know, James Bond era approach to women, you know, the bikini girl and, sure. and the, oh gosh, I'm just, I'm just a mom, you know, and all that stuff. Oh, oh, pretty close. What it did have was, well, a lot of inclusion of female agents. And as we mentioned before, an Asian female agent, a black security guard. The recognition of an entire African delegation. It was very multicultural for 1964 television. Mm -hmm. So I tip my cat to them the same way I do the James Bond franchise. And while it's easy to kind of look back and say, oh, it's so outdated, they actually, I think, did a little bit to move the ball forward. And I give them credit for that. It did. And actually, one of the big things, and you didn't get it in this episode because Elia Kuryakin wasn't really in it. But as it goes on, it's the fact that you actually have a an American mm. agent and a Russian agent working yeah. side by side on the Highly side of the law and order. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. And for 1964, that was so groundbreaking. That's my tip of the cap. So that's what you got when you selected number three. All right, I can't wait to hear one, two, and four. But we will get to that. They're in not just as a deep. little bit. No, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm a winner right away. Thank you. you. Are. <laughs> but I do agree that this really opened up some different areas. And I, what I liked about Man From Uncle Idea is that they're a global group, it seems like, and they're all working together to get rid of one group. It's just not one country trying to go after everybody else or one particular one. It's it's a global group. So we're, we're going to see some different nationalities getting involved here. And I really think in this episode, too, that Elaine was a strong role, I think. Because she's asked to do everything in the small amount of time and, and she pulled it off. Just, I mean, <laughs> she said, absolutely. I will not even consider it. And then it cut to her on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> <great>. Enjoying the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think she was definitely a strong character on this. We'll go ahead and get into round two. Ellen, you got a high or a, a low? Yeah, actually, I'm going to pick up on what you just said about Elaine. Cause for me, one of the other highs is actually the speech that Napoleon solo gives to her reflection in the mirror. Yeah. When he says that she's not, it's not, 
the bad guy she's afraid of, she's actually afraid of the character that she's assumed as part of this mission. She's afraid that she doesn't want to go back to a normal life because she's being somebody, she's affecting change. She's, you know, got the clothes and the trappings and stuff. And she's afraid, more afraid of giving that up than she is about facing the bad guy and facing her past, which I, I thought was good. I think she was a great, strong character. She really set their blueprint for the series going forward where, you know, the uncle episodes are always, there's an adventure and there's always the, the innocent person that gets involved. That's pretty much the formula for, for uncle adventures going forward. There's always the, the innocent who gets involved. And I think she really set the foundation and blueprint for that. And I think that speech really set that up for how that was going to be handled and the undertones of that, that the people who have got regular lives get drawn into these fantastic adventures and then have to go back to their normal lives and how that affects them, I think is a, is a really interesting theme that runs throughout the whole series. And I think this was a great foundation for that. I agree. Yeah, I, that's actually number four on my list. Oh, no. But partic- well, that's fine. No, I particularly like the part where she kind of had a little breakdown. Mm-hmm. She said, she, yeah. but, but like, she was like, you saw how they looked at me. You, you saw how I was in that room and who I was like, and I thought it was a little bit powerful scene. I, got, I was a little emotional, choked up about it, man. It was a cool moment that, yeah. I mean, you don't just, you don't see a lot of that level of depth in the, in this era of television. So again, yeah. really cool. All right, let's go to Delvin. You got a high, low or what? I think that solo was very resourceful. I like that they were put into a, a bad situation. Well, actually, even before that bad situation, you know, the typical bond, you're trapped and let's see how you escape thing. He tried to perform the sabotage. It was a great ruse that he did with the mannequin that fell with the parachute while he was doing other things. And then he did everything he could to try to escape. And it looked and felt like it was a harrowing escape. It was very well done where I'm like, man, is he going to get out? And then all of a sudden he was just trapped and there was like nowhere for him to go. And he finally got caught. And even when he got caught, he didn't just, just sit down. He sat there and he kicked at that pipe for who knows how long, because they did a very good job of him kicking at it and kicking at it. And then, you know, they did the time lapse thing and it came back and he's exhausted and he's still trying to kick at it. And it finally starts leaking and it it enabled the pipe to burst. So they were able to get free. So I really liked his resourcefulness. It was encouraging to see your hero in those situations where it looked like there was no way out, but he kept fighting and found a way out. I like that. Agreed. And I do like you mentioned a a favorite word of mine, the way he was being more of a saboteur. I I didn't say saboteur, but I'm glad you did. You you (laughs) say it better. (laughs) Well, you mentioned he was trying to be one. Sorry. I got to call it back. I got to call it back. Jason. Hi, Lo. Yeah, I'll continue on that theme that Delvin said. I thought that the action sequence of the chase was very intense. Loved the use of the light and the shadows. I kind of think I might have seen Jaws in there. I thought I saw Quick Richard Keel in that. I was like, what is this? We got a little uh, James Bond action here. So that was cool. That scene with the dogs, when he's cornered with the dogs and everything, I was like, how's he going to get out of this? It reminded me of the Remo Williams movie a little bit. I wondered if they got maybe some inspiration from that episode for that scene with Remo and the dogs. But anyway, just hats off for a really effective use of tension, lighting, 
in shadows on that chase scene. So I was riveted. It was really cool. And music. And the music. music yes, thank you. That too. Mm-hmm. That's a good catch, though. And I do think that the music that you heard throughout this really helped the ambiance in this series, in this episode. Jared, you got a high-low. Well, I have two left now. Would you like number one or number two? <laughs> Who does number two work? <laughs> number one. Let's go with number, number one two. Seems like <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> number two. <laughs> Just dump it on me. All right. Go with another high. I got no lows for this thing. It was a ton of fun. Go with another high. William Marshall. Okay. He played the lead African delegate guy who, like, turned out, betrayed his other dudes. He was the dude. Was you got it. I saw him and like, I was like, he looks familiar. And then he started talking. I was like, oh, I know that voice. That is a smooth, smooth voice. Where do I know this guy from? Thought about it. And I thought about it. And it finally came to me. It's, he's Blackula from the Blackula movies. <laughs> you know, ni- 1970s exploitation-ish Dracula I films. Me. I know what you're talking about. All right. I didn't know that. All right. He, yeah, that's Blackula. And I was like, oh, that's where I know this guy from. So, yeah, he's got the coolest voice, I think. So, it's just kind of cool to see him there. So, fired up about Black Hill. I will say that twist was great. Even though I've seen this one numerous times, I still love that twist in it that you think he's the he's the target and it turns out he's actually the bad guy. So, yeah. yeah. Very crafty. It was very very well handled. My money was on the defense minister. I was on the with the guy with the faux English accent. <laughs> <laughs> I like, there was a background guy. He might've been the economics minister. I can't remember, but there was a background guy when the, the housewife was introduced to the, to the guy they were scoping out. What was his name? Vulcan. That was his name, right? He was Vulcan, wasn't he? Yep. And like, they obviously start to rekindle that spark. And the dude like so nonchalantly is like, he's got that. I clearly don't. Yeah. Need to how, do I, how do I, yeah, how do I get movie? out of this conversation? And it just fades yeah. off screen to the left. <laughs> I was like, that was really good. It made me laugh. Oh yeah. This, Anybody have anything else you want to talk about, Jason? This is a question. There was a scene on the plane with the lady he was talking to, and they focused on the gun and the purse, like they were setting something up, but that didn't seem to pay off. Did I miss something there? No, you did not. It actually pays off in the pilot, but it didn't make it into this episode. I'll talk a bit more about that when we get into the fun of facts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but basically, she turns out she was actually an undercover uncle agent who was watching over them, but she was also uh, infiltrated Vulcan's inner circle as the hostess for his parties and stuff. You see her at the party. She's the uh-huh. one that, when Elaine arrives and she takes her coat and stuff, that's the oh. same woman. And she's an undercover uncle agent. Ah, okay. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing too. Jared, what's your number one? My last one, it's not even my best one, so we might end on a slight fizzle, but I couldn't help but think, and let me know if you guys have seen the show as well. This reminded me of the Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Anybody remember that show from the 80s? I do, yeah, Bruce Boxleitner. Yeah, like, I feel like the people who made the Scarecrow and Mrs. King watched episode one of <laughs> Uncle was like, we can make a show out of this. We can stretch this out. Because <laughs> that was all about a secret agent recruiting a housewife, to be oh, part okay. of this elaborate thing, and yeah, so I just I just made that connection. That's it. Not my best one. We could go back and talk about Blackula some more if you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> That's just that guy's got such an awesome voice. I can't get over it. There was a lot of good actors in this episode that you went and saw, and you saw them playing the character well. And I could see like where they would 
eventually be something down the road here. And you'll see a lot of that as we work through these. There's a lot of people who became very familiar faces. You'll see a lot of names and faces that, you know, appear in this series as we go. And I really think Robert Vaughn, man, what a smooth kind of guy. The handsome mm-hmm. is all get out. Yeah. Playing, <laughs> yeah. playing that character is like, yeah, this guy's got it down. He's like all it. But then, as you guys mentioned, too, you can see the soft side in him as well. Vaughn was solo. Yes. 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 Kind of had a Roger Moore quality. Yeah to him yeah true charm yeah but with a bit of a rougher edge as well i think he can be mean when he needs to be i'm really interested to see how his partner is going to be are are they going to play off each other oh it's a great buddy relationship the bills but i don't want to spoil too much as we go forward so all right does anybody have anything else blackula (laughs) (laughs) all right well with that then let's go ahead and get into some fun facts with agent allen Okay, thanks, Pat. So like I said, I'm going to do these in two parts, some about the Man From U.N.C.L.E. series in general, and then some about the specific episode. So let's start with the Man From U.N.C.L.E. And answer Delvin's question, what the hell does this have to do with James Bond? Other than the fact it's a super spy series set around the same sort of time. So actually, the Man From U.N.C.L.E. is an Ian Fleming creation. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Still in late, know, which in late October 1962, the TV producer that was mentioned earlier, Norman Felton, was trying to work on an idea for a spy series. So he invited Ian Fleming to New York for a long weekend to brainstorm ideas for a TV spy show. The difference was every time anybody else had approached Fleming beforehand, they basically said, we want to make a James Bond TV show. Felton carefully did not say he wanted to make a James Bond TV show. He said, I just want to make a spy TV show. And he and Fleming sat down and over a weekend, they came up with the idea of a multinational spy agency that basically worked across borders and two leading agents, a male and a female. The male leading agent would be called Napoleon Solo and the female agent would be called April Dancer. And the show would be titled Ian Fleming's Solo. However, Ian weren't happy about Fleming using his name attached to another spy property and basically, uh, I was going to say forced, but basically insisted that he sell off his rights. So he sold his rights to the man from Uncle back to Norman Felton for the grand sum of a dollar. They dropped the Ian Fleming name, and the show was retitled as Solo. And in December 1963, they shot the pilot episode I mentioned a couple of times. And in 1964, Eon sued over the use of the name Solo, claiming that Fleming had already sold them the rights to a character named Solo. Anybody tell me which, which James Bond movie Solo appears in? Oh, pick me! Pick me! Pick <laughs> Go me! On. It's Goldfinger. Yeah. If you remember, Mr. Solo is the Mr. one that gets crunched yeah. into the, the block of gold oh. by Odjo. So as a compromise, they agreed that the TV show could continue to use the name Napoleon Solo, but the show could not be called Solo. And as it was written, the main character was going to be Napoleon Solo. So it was called The Man from Uncle, which confuses a lot of people later on. Because as you said, Pat, his partner becomes almost an equal and everybody's like, well, if it's about two guys, why is it called The Man from Uncle? And not the men from Uncle, mm. but that's why because originally it was just going to be a show centered around Napoleon Solo, so it was just the man from Uncle. Oh, makes sense. Okay, another interesting legal twist: the many of the shows and the pilot movie starts with a shot of the United Nations, and then it pans across the New York skyline to the tailor shop that you see at the beginning of this episode. The United Nations didn't like that because they thought that they were implying a connection between the United Nations and this multinational organization of spies and the united nations didn't like that so they asked 
that each episode make it clear that the show was not affiliated with the United Nations in any way. But trying to work that into the script was going to be really difficult. So the producers came up with a really neat idea. And I don't know if you spotted this, but at the end of the show, there's a title card that says that thanks the United Network Command for Law and Enforcement for their help in making of the show. I noticed that. That was funny. That was an inside joke. No. So that, that was a legal thing, but that's what UNCLE stands for. It stands for United Network Command for Law and Enforcement. It's said a few times in the show, but this way they didn't have to say it in every single episode. Uh. All right. <laughs> so, Which makes me remember the time where he showed her his credentials. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was she tried to read him and put him away. <laughs> yeah. like, she didn't get time to read him. It's like, <laughs> Uncle. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So Pat mentioned it was uh, an immediate hit, around for 105 episodes over four seasons. There were nine spin-off movies, 24 okay. tie-in novels, and a monthly digest magazine that with new short stories that ran for three years, plus multiple comics in the US and the UK. I mean, wow. it was huge in the 60s. Oh, and the aforementioned April Dancer, and I also saw you all shimmying when I mentioned her name. <laughs> I was um, going to ask. What, what, yeah, she eventually gets her own TV show, The Girl from Uncle, in 1966. Nice. Played by Stephanie Powers in a TV series. Did she show up in an episode? The character did, but played by a different actress, and we'll get okay. to that. And then when they spun the series off, they recast the April Dancer was Stephanie Powers. So. All right. So that's about the show. We'll do more about the show as we go on. So let's talk about the Vulcan affair. Jason already picked up on one of my fun facts. There is a blink and you miss it uh, appearance by future Bond villain Richard Keel, aka Jaws, as mm-hmm. one of the guards during the uh, the chase scene in the factory. So I've mentioned the pilot episode a few times. Well, the Vulcan affair is actually an edited down version of the pilot, but with some significant changes. The pilot was 70 minutes. It was filmed in color while they broadcast the TV show in black and white. The name of the bad guys in the pilot is Wasp, not Thrush. And actually, they were messing around with the scripts. And if you watch the pilot movie, which I'll talk about in a minute, you can see actually where they dub people saying Wasp instead of Thrush sometimes. And the boss of Uncle in the pilot got sacked before the TV show came out. So the original head of Uncle, number one, section one, is called Mr. Allison in the pilot. And he's played by an actor called Will Kaluva. Okay. So apparently when one of the studio executives viewed the pilot, he was heard to say, get rid of the guy whose name begins with a K. But he's now believed he would meant Ilya Kuryakin. He didn't want a Russian character in there. <laughs> they fired the wrong guy. <laughs> but they th- somebody thought it was Will Kaluva, so they fired Will Kaluva. Oh, um, man. And they brought in Leo G. Carroll and renamed the character into Alexander Waverley. So what you saw in the TV show... The intro and the setup of the mission is slightly different because they had to reshoot that. So <laughs> this is like Pat That's when you funny. asked me if I could get Darren on the show, and I thought you said Delvin, and now we're stuck with him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I got a place in the fridge and everything. I ain't going <laughs> the fun thing is they actually released the pilot as a movie not long after the TV show debuted. So there is a movie out there, and it's called To Trap a Spy. It is the full 70-minute pilot of this story with some footage from another story to add another beautiful girl into it. So it makes it a 90-minute story. And it includes the wasp's name and it includes the scenes with Mr. Culver. It includes a longer version of the the thrush agents invading, sorry, the wasp agents invading the uncle headquarters. It shows you what happens to them after they've been caught and so forth. So I was actually sad enough to sit down and over the weekend actually watch the movie and, and then immediately afterwards watch the TV episode just to check on the differences between them. It is the first of the spin-off movies. If you really want to see the fuller version of this and that explains some of the, the background, like what was significant about the girl on the plane, 
uh, what happened to the guys, go check out To Trap a Spy. And you'll see the same story, but in glorious Technicolor. Oh, wow. And that was all my fun facts for this week, because Jason already stole my la- the last one I had on my list, which was the Richard Keel one. So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. You look so young, too. Yeah, yeah he did. I, yeah, yeah. I had to rewind it just a little bit. I'm like, did I see that? Yeah, I, yeah, I watched it a couple times too. I was like, I think that's Richard. Yeah, Keel. yeah, yeah, and he's uncredited too, so uh, it's not like you can find him in the in the credit list. I gotta add one more layer to the whole solo thing because you said that basically Fleming made solo, and then Eon said no solo because we have solo and James Bond solo, <laughs> so you gotta get rid of your solo. And then years later, an author, I think his name is William Boyd, is going to write a James Bond novel called Cool Solo. Yeah. Solo. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with all that. <laughs> it's a lot to take in. Well, Ellen, thank you for giving us some of those detailed fun facts. Really appreciate it. Definitely shows that you definitely are a man from Uncle and know what you're talking about. You don't need to show the card anymore. I, I trust you now. Say he's a card carrying member. <laughs> All right. Well, with that fun facts out of the way, let's go ahead and get to the ratings for this episode. And it's a one through seven rating. Seven is you loved it. It shook your martini. Six is excellent. Five is very good. Four, good. Three, just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini. Man, with a dirty finger. (laughs) We will start with Delvin. The bar is high. It's really, really high. I'm at a six. Y'all know how I work. I I didn't want to give it a seven, but there there weren't holes. There weren't any slow moments. Now, of course, you know, I'm looking at the 50-minute runtime, and I'm like, is this going to drag? Nope, sure didn't. Didn't drag one bit. The action was good. The lead character was engaging. The whole premise was really good. The mom turned super agent turned, uh, 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 what's the word? Fancy lady, since I can't think of, <laughs> of a good word for that. Like she, she played a great capable role too. Just a lot of good to say all around. I was glad I watched it. Well, very good. I'm excited to hear that. Jason, one through seven. I'm with Delvin on a six. Again, I don't know if there's going to be any better ones going forward, but for the first one out of the gate, I was engaged the whole way. So I'll I'll save my seven for later on, but this is an excellent start. Great introduction to the character, great action, great pacing. Like Delvin, I, I saw that 50-minute runtime. I watched it sitting here in front of my computer, and it moved it went by quick so hats off to the first episode i'm also going to agree with you and delvin on a six i really enjoyed it and what i really liked you guys didn't mention it but it made me think of i like the axe that they broke it up into acts just in case something happened you know you had to go to the bathroom or something you could stop it after that act and like oh okay i got a chance to take a quick break here that act helped you understand what was going on through the next part that you were seeing so i really like that hope that they break that up a little bit more through this one i don't know it becomes one of the uncle trademarks is that ah, cool at each commercial break is between acts, acts. and you get act one act two act three yeah after coming back after each of the commercial breaks so yeah very good i'm looking forward to it then 
Jared, one through seven. Hmm. I really, really, really liked it a lot. I understand uh, Delvin and Jason's approach of going with six because there's probably better episodes to come. Uh, if you start with any show, any show, they always get better. I mean, you watch the first episode of Star Trek and they get better because they develop more Spock and McCoy mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. So Delvin just held up seven fingers and he's right. I'm going to go all seven on it. Cool. I, I thought it was great. And I'm cutting it a break for being the first because in my memory, of course, it was a duo with the Russian guy. And mm-hmm. my memory is that it was in color. I'm guessing future seasons are in color, Alan, or did yeah, I make Yeah, first it season's black and white. The other three are color. Okay. No. And so I was like, okay, I will definitely make allowances. I was so engaged. Totally a seven. You know, actually, I would say it got me to 6.5. And then, you sure. know, we don't do that here. Mm-hmm. So Black the Richard Keel showed up. Now, so. Black took me to the seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Black got me to 6.75. And Richard Keel got me. Anyway, it's a seven. I love it. Cool. I love it. Very good. And Alan went through seven. I have to say it's a seven. This for me is like, it's like Dr. No to Bond, the Vulcan affair to uncle. And I actually just think of a lot of the TV shows that for me, this is one of the strongest opening episodes of any TV show. Irrespective of genre or age, I think it is just a great out-of-the-gate story. I think, like Jared said in the beginning, that opening scene was just, once you saw where they went to, and then when you see Solo standing there, just like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, Mr. Vulcan did not live long and will no longer prosper. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) And we've hardly talked about the villain. I mean, we've talked about how great (laughs) the heroes were. We've hardly talked about the bad guy. He really liked his old girlfriend. (laughs) Didn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Now, let's go ahead and pass it over to our network founder, Van Plexigo, to thank all the Patreon sponsors who make this show possible. Here are the folks that have joined up so far. They include Chris and Clinton Stewart, Carl Von Drunker, Christopher Burleson, Jeremiah Schumann, and Patrick Hayes, and Samuel Salvatore. You guys are awesome, and and ladies, and all you folks. Uh, I believe those are all guys. Allison Rich, Bart Lindsay, Bradley Blackman, Chris Usher, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AUFan at KSC, JJP Geese. (laughs) Thanks a lot for that phonetic spelling <laughs> Logan Chilton, Matthew Flowers Phil Amthor, Richard Stevens Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger Willie Carden He's a dark horse for the Heisman Ann Kangian A.U. Falling Up, Ben Bloodworth Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson Daniel Odom, David Evers, David Hegler Emmanuel Seaman, Eric Morgan Bobby, I Need Amanda Hug and Kiss Yep, that's one of them George Gaston, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B, Phil Davis, Preston Settle, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Steve Harlan, there goes Davis, WDE Richie, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, who's currently behind me, Brandon Smith. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, we had to reshuffle that. Let me do it over again. Uh, Boris the Tiger. Brandon the Smith, Cato the Barner, and Chris the Hilton. Brandon, we got to get you on the the bandwagon now since you've kind of popped in between Boris and Cato. Colby Butler, Danny Flack, Darius Benton, David Simpson, Die Bama, Earl Ricks. No, seriously, Die Bama, 
Earl Ricks, Eric Mahan, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Canoy, Kevin Mahan. By the way, that reminds me, I've mailed out quite a few of the posters the last couple of weeks, too. We did a nice business of those Auburn posters that I had printed up based on the covers of We Believe. So I'll have some of those at Dragon Con at my table, too. If you want to pick up these really nice posters of the uh, of basically the last 40 years of Auburn football. Uh, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Melissa Blackstone, Mike Finley, Algorithm, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Ross, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Snow Dog. <sighs> this is the year Bo Nix has improved so much under this new offense. He's focused. He's having fun. I wouldn't be surprised if Tim Pittman, Tony Perry, we taught Van how to say piggies. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Alex Nguyen, Auburn Elvis, Ben Amos, Ben Rigas, Bill Miner, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Colonel Dad, Daniel Barnett, David Smiley, Donnie Reynolds, Elizabeth Donald, Ice Cream Clone. And finally, James Taylor, Jason, the Weasel Skullarbic, John Stubbs, John Zavachin, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kathy Bright, Kenneth Brent Rains, Mark Squire, Michael Halbrook, Mick Vigicana, Mustangs smoke Camaros every day. Paul Bankson, public land owner. Robert Drain, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky. Stephen Thompson, Trevor Johnson. Why am I even here? John Ringer has all the talent and carries this show. Brent Rumble, Chris, plus our one-time anonymous and smart Alec donors. Thank you, Van, and the Patreons for all the support you provide. Now, let's go ahead and listen into an audio clip that was provided to us from our friends, the Rusty Agents. Good evening, Agents. This is Jeff from the Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I am providing this week's field report from the junior agents stationed in the Pacific Northwest. As usual, I surprised my fellow junior agent Rick during the recording of our regular podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, with a pop quiz in the middle of our script. His answers are not prepared. Now Jeff can give us a two-sentence replay of what happened during our last episode. Okay, I could do that, but first things first... Pop quiz, hot shots! Yes! Yes! Today is Delvin the Dark Web, Williams, and Rick, not Jeff Heineken. Now, Delvin, I think you have, uh, of your many podcast credentials, one of them is James Bond, correct? (laughs) Yeah, that is correct. Okay, then this is going to tie in really good because I have a show that we can take this and we can put it into, and uh, we'll send you a link to it. You'll be able to hear it. Mm. But... Did you know that there's going to be a new James Bond movie? I did, yes. Oh, uh, okay, let's... Uh, uh, that was going to be my question, but you've already figured that one out. Wait, <laughs> do you know what it's called? No Time to Die. That is correct. It is No Time to Die. And No Time to Die is a 26 James Bond movie that is going to be coming out in the year of our Lord, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and... In honor of that, Delvin and Rick, could you sing for me the lyrics to some songs? One, two, three, four, five songs. I don't need to know the name of the song or who wrote it or anything like that. But could you sing some lyrics to five songs that have the word time in them? Okay. I got one. Time, time, time. See what's become of me as I look around. 
to my possibilities. Okay. Very nice. If you're lost and you look and you will find me. Mm. Time after time. Very good. Very good. That's two out of five. That leaves three. Oh boy, tick, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I got tick, one red. Tick. Go for it, go tick. for it. All right. Time, why you punish me? Like a wave crashing into the shore, you wash away my dreams. Oh, so nice. Very nice. Very Beautiful. Nice. Rick, hit me up. Time is on my side. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. time for number five. Okay, Delvin's coming in. Go for the hard win. Time and time again, I can't please myself. Little Count Crows. Nice. Crows, very nice, very nice. I'm Woo-hoo, surprised that it. there wasn't any time warp in there, but that works, that works, that works, that works, that works, that works very, very well. well. I'm, not, I'm not in my dress tonight. I'm, I just got, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just got shorts and yeah. a t-shirt, so. It's and, just and, a jump and, to the left. <laughs> and then you wiggle into a dress. Very, very nice. Now, I have a line that is a favorite time one as well, except it's not from a song. It's actually, Rick, you like movies, right? Oh, yes, I do. Okay, yeah, it is uh, Roy Batty's last line from Blade Runner. Do you know what that is? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I do not remember right now. What was it? Delvin, do you know? I don't. Roy Batty's last line from the movie Blade Runner? I, I do not. I can see the scene in my head, too, but I can't He's remember what Rudger Hauer was. in mm-hmm. the rain holding He's a dying. dove. Yep. 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 The line that he says is, time... To die. <laughs> Rick, what was that line that Batty said at the end of Blade Runner? Time to die. Training as always, we'll continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Thank you for accepting our reports. Until next time, junior agents signing out. All right, that's our clip from Rusty Agents. Man, I wonder what their insurance is like over there. Poor Rick. <laughs> did you like help him hide a body or? Yeah. I, I don't think I I can really talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really talk about it. Uh, I plead the fifth. I'm going back on mute. Devlin has some special skills that he's learned uh, during rookie training. So it might have helped out there, but didn't help out for Rick. Anyway. There will be some extra outtake clips as well, too, that we will play at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that to hear some more fun from the Rusty Agents. And I think with that, that's going to be the show. So as a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page at ohmspod. If you like, you can also send us an email as a reminder that's ohmspod at outlook.com. To send us an audio recording or your question or comment, we might even play it on the show. Also, if you are an iTunes listener, we would greatly appreciate it if you left a review for the show. That will help raise the show's profile to attract more of the 007 family to this program. As a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. I want to thank Delvin, Jason, Jared, and Alan for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. And we're going to start with 
a lot of people don't know this, but we are recording on a special day for this person. He left everything he was going to do for the day just to be here with us. And so we will say to him from the LBC crew, from all of us, Alan, happy birthday. Thank you, guys. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. How sad is it that I'm spending my birthday with you guys? I'm really. <laughs> I, I actually feel bad. <laughs> oh no! No, thank I you. Somebody's birthday, baby. <laughs> thank Where you, Mary. On the White Rocket Network. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Really appreciate that. Alan, where can we find you on the internet? So, for James Bond-related stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon. Those of you who are enjoying the stuff that we do with the James Bond Lexicon book you can find the companion website at uh, jamesbondlexicon.online and actually we also have some uncle related sites so we're at uncle lexicon on twitter and uncle lexicon on tumblr very good thank you alan and i'm looking forward to many more episodes with you as my co-host on this thank you i'm looking forward to uh, going on a few more uncle related affairs as it were hmm. i like that jason where can they find you on the internet you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And I will also quickly give a plug for Alan's James Bond Lexicon because it is a great book. Highly recommend it for anybody that listens to this show is a fan of James Bond. If you think you know all the characters, sets, locations, gadgets, cars, you do not. Get the book. It's in the book. Delvin. D underscore R-A-Y, 1977, Twitter. Back to you, Pat. Jared, where can they find you on the internet? I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at theyardsaleartist.com. And you can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. I want to thank you again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can they find that? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade on www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Pat. Well, Pat, thanks for that. And thanks to the fellas for taking yet another dangerous mission. Thanks for listeners who tuned in. The next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Jared's Choice, but on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast will return. It looked like you want to say something, but you don't want to. <laughs> it was like uh, inappropriate. No, no, all right. No, no, nope. Nope. Okay. Pass on all those. Jokes. Okay. <laughs> Jesus knows your heart, Jared. <laughs> was it a first read or a rewatch, Alan? I'm assuming it's a. You might want to do that again. You said yeah, first, you said first read. read. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm so used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been drinking.
it is a first watch for me too. So we got fourth, fifth of a reading rainbow here. So we did it. Woo! Let's go into some high wait, wait, low. Wait, wait, wait. 80% rainbow. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> I'm mixing our podcast together. I'm sorry. I don't feel like it. Uh, <laughs> I just thought of Janet Jackson. This time I'm not going to stay. This oh, time yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. This time you've gone too far. I'm gonna keep singing. Do your outro, Delvin. Into the future. Oh, good one, Jason. Yeah, and if anybody out there listening's got a time song, get it in the comments. We want to see all the songs with times on it. Uh, do you know what it's called? <laughs> I'm totally blanking. Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to get laughed at. <laughs> I am leaving this in. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to. Oh, man. Jeff, turn up your volume just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I actually cannot remember the turn name the of that new movie. It's been delayed so dang much. 